Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Twenty-two million people put on ESPN last night. For a lot of reasons, it wasn't just the Aaron Rodgers show, it was Monday Night Football, which is routine for a lot of people, but it was a a football game played, I say in New York, technically across the river in New Jersey, but featuring two teams from the state of New York, one technically from New York City, on the anniversary of September 11th. Huge hype, huge pomp and circumstance and focus on this game, and it ended up becoming a spectacle in the worst possible way if you were a Jets fan. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Uh, Richard is going to join us here very shortly, uh, I think. Maybe. Depends on traffic. Famously uh, brutal <laughs> traffic in Mississippi. We, we we got those long commutes, you know, the 405 just running right through North Mississippi. So. <laughs> You know, just trying to get around like an Atlanta, like it's Atlanta there, you know? Jeez. But he'll join us here shortly. But, uh, man, it, you know. And, it's going to be like an anchorman, right? He's going to rush in. It's like, we can do the show now. I'm yeah. here. Ron, I nailed it. <laughs> I thought that was a sick, tasteless joke. <laughs> I wrote it down in my diary. Yes. Uh, Great. Veronica had a really night, funny joke today. <laughs> Last night is, if you ever needed proof, we now have immutable proof. You could go to a court of law and find them guilty that the Jets are a cursed franchise. There are such things as cursed franchises. Last night was... The Jets are one. The, the Jets are cursed. And welcome to the show, Richard Cross. Uh, but yeah, the, hey. I feel so bad. For Jets fans today. I feel terrible for them today. I mean, they, they've been in the gutter for how long? They have tanked and drafted and tanked and drafted. And then, you know, kind of in recent history, they got a, an aging, veteran-accomplished quarterback. And that didn't go well. And scandal followed. And it just they have just been beaten down as a fan base following bad team after bad team after bad team. And finally... It seems like they get a head coach hire correct. It seems like they got that right. Finally. And they have a roster that is filled with really good players on defense. 
and a wide receiver core that you really like, and a running back that you really like, and then here comes Aaron Rodgers, renewed. Two Two running backs that you really like. And Aaron Rodgers comes renewed. He is still, despite his age, before last night, he was still playing extremely high-level football. If he was falling off, somebody forgot to tell him. Because he was still playing well. And then you, you get hard knocks, and then the rest of the country gets to see, man, this version of Aaron Rodgers is actually... And really likable. Like he seems cool and the team loves him and the expectations are high and the country's kind of behind him. And you're playing the Bills on Monday Night Football on September 11th and he tears his Achilles four plays into the season. I cannot fathom how that felt for those fans in that stadium and the millions watching on television. I feel terrible for those people. Cursed. Cursed. I don't even know what the right comparison is either. I mean, I guess for you guys, if the situation were exactly the same for the Saints, maybe you would have that feeling. But I I feel like we're so much closer to college football than we are to the NFL because of what we do on a daily basis. I mean, what, what is it akin to? Like, you finally think you've got the roster that gets you to a college football playoff and the schedule matches it and you're coming off a season where... You won nine games, and you've got all your your offensive line starters back, and you've got a defense that is like expected to be really, really good. And what you got a transfer quarterback that nobody thought you were going to be able to get, who's a former five star who had <coughs> produced at a really high level, and then in game one that happens. Is yeah. is, is that the comparison? So it, yeah. and again, the Something NFL on those lines, yeah. The NFL plays 16 games, so keep that in mind. If I counted correctly, since 1986... 17, isn't it? Well, now it's 17, but since 1986... Okay, yeah. The Jets have won double-digit games six times. Since 1986. Ten-win seasons aren't really good in the NFL. They're cursed. Cursed. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the easiest one. It's, it's, it's too difficult to explain how these things have happened, blah, blah, blah. There's just a curse. And it's, it's obvious. And, a and lawyer evidence, could win the case. The, the evidence to what you were saying a second ago about the rest of the roster being right, you saw play out last night. They, they were doing nothing offensively. And the Jets' defense 100% kept them in that game. And you you just picked up Dalvin Cook in camp, and you saw some glimpses, and Brees Hall is special, and he's coming back off the ACL, and you've got receivers that you really, really like. Lazard's a good player, and Garrett Wilson's a good player. He was super impressive talking after the game. Can I think Hey Dad's right. I think it's just cursed. But if there was an alternate explanation, is there a scenario where because of all of those pieces, Zach Wilson becomes a better quarterback and this still becomes a double-digit win team? It still becomes a playoff team, possibly? No. Okay. No, Zach Wilson is not capable of that. He is not a good enough player. That's why they reached out to Chad Henney uh, a little while ago, uh, reportedly. <laughs> That's the wrong Michigan quarterback to reach out to. Do you see that video of Brady just... I mean, obviously he's a really good athlete. 
But there's a video of Brady just draining three-point shot after three-point shot like he's been a professional basketball player the whole time. You have to call him. You yes, have you to do. at least see if he'll do it. Absolutely. What, what, what's the harm? Sorry, guys, I'm still retired. Okay. He says no, he says no, but my... And what an incredible story that would be. Ooh. Tom Brady goes to the to the biggest rival of, of the Patriots, their most hated rival, and, and wins. Oh, my gosh. It would just be incredible. We were watching Imagine if Breeze had gone to the Falcons or something for one last run. Oh, man. When we were watching it last night, Jane was like, wait, do they still have to pay him? I was like, yep. He had $75 million fully guaranteed through the first two years of this deal. She's like, I mean, as a business owner, that's just hard to wrap my mind around. It's like, I get it. I mean, it's a different level of business owner when you're talking about billionaire owners of an NFL team, but the principle is still the same. You are paying a lot of money for something that you're going to get zero return on, at least this year. I mean, There's a the, chance he doesn't come back from this. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And, and it's possible that he says, I gave it a go. I went into my dark room during the offseason, and I had spirits speak to me, and those spirits said, you need to give it one more go. Turns out I heard the spirits wrong. And that was that was abundantly clear in the first time I stepped back onto the field in a real game. And remember, he didn't play in a preseason game. He didn't play any in the preseason. And the, is it better or worse that it was kind of a freak injury? I mean, it's not like he had a 300-pound no, defensive lineman come down on his leg in a pile. He was trying to get it's away so from worse. a sack. And Have you seen the slow-mo of the video where they're like, you can actually yeah. see the Achilles pop? Like there's yeah. this bulge it's, in his It's calf. so much worse. Because <sighs> then you, can blame it on, you can't blame it on anybody else, right? If he got sacked and just eaten up and broke something, you're like, wow, what can you do? You know, the guy hit it. This is just a freak accident. That lends itself to a curse. An invisible hand came up from out of the ground and got him. And it's crazy how good technology is. You can see, they zoom in, you can see when it, the, the exact millisecond yeah. that it goes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like a ripple effect up the leg. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And, and oh, by the way, next week they go to Dallas. Oh. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it was it was the CBS three twenty five Central Time kickoff. Huge audience. You would have had Dak against Aaron Rodgers. And look, I mean, it didn't, it's not like it gets a whole lot easier for the first month of the season. Bills were a good team, or we think they're a good team, and they beat them even without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Josh Allen plays reckless. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, there's a reason you're losing in the playoffs, man. I mean, last night was a good <laughs> look through that lens. Maybe the funniest attempted tackle of all time by that punter, by the way, on on the return. I mean, he he, he looked like he was trying to body press him, and he just completely whiffed. I've never I, seen anything like it. I don't mind the rules experts. Some of those guys are good. But that guy coming on after it was over, while the celebration was going to go, you know, they really missed a call on a tripping leg yeah, whip. Oh. That wasn't a tripping leg whip. He had already like left his feet to get in front of the guy. It wasn't a block in the back. It wasn't a hold. He made a really athletic play to cut the defender off, and then while they're both in midair, his legs are flailing and their shins make contact. That's not tripping. What a 
What a throw a wet blanket on a big old fun party he was at the end of that one. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We'll be right back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. to Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. You can learn more at ceasefire.com slash business. I think everything you guys said about last night is is spot on. I mean, I don't know if I believe in curses the way you do, hey, Dad, but uh, okay, fine. If that's, if that's how you feel about it, that's fine. You know the thing that makes it even crazier, though, is, like, you, you sent me a message, maybe you sent us a message last night, hey, Dad, that said um, you couldn't have scripted this. And I agree. But it's like the script to that point was written in Hollywood. Yeah. 18 years with the Packers, makes a move to a franchise that has perennially struggled. A franchise who has upgraded on the defensive side of the ball, who's got some nice pieces on the offensive side. Upgraded to a franchise who's got a coach that everybody seems to like. Upgraded to a franchise that has an incredibly passionate fan base. Not that the Packers didn't, but it was just time to move on. Does hard knocks in the offseason. Borky pointed that out a second ago. So you got a lot of extra interest beyond the fact that it's just Aaron Rodgers in New York City. And oh, by the way, it's Monday Night Football. And, oh, by the way, it's Monday Night Football on the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. And you have kind of all the pregame pomp and circumstance and the flag that is 100 yards long, field of, in, and the whole stadium sings the national anthem. Like, all of the things, such a buildup to the start of the year. Four plays. But then. Four plays. And it. It just comes screeching to a halt. Screeching to a halt. Hey. I was just saying a second ago about their, their schedule. So last night with Buffalo, they go to Dallas, they host New England, and they host Kansas City. First four weeks. Hmm. Doesn't get a whole lot easier after that. They go out west to face Denver. Then they get the Eagles at home, and then they, in their home stadium, play the Giants. I mean, it's hey, they'll beat uh, they'll beat the Broncos though because they stink. Hey, and and how about this piece of it as well? I mean, the the NFL, other than the ability to flex some games, 
they announced basically their entire schedule. Yeah. Listen yep. to this. 325 CBS at the Cowboys. Two weeks later, Sunday night football on NBC. Ugh. The next week, 325 CBS. The next week, 325 on Fox. <laughs> against the Chargers on November 6th. Model. Yeah, against the Chargers on November or uh, uh no, yeah, November 6th, Monday night football. Ooh. The next week at the Raiders, Sunday night football. CBS 325. <laughs> yeah, they got to start going the you know, two weeks out. We'll give you the times. Yeah, I saw an interview with Joe Buck last night just kind of asking him, you know, what do you do? Because that was not your typical uh, broadcast that you prepare for. I assume if you're Joe Buck, he even said, we had hours of Roger stuff ready to go. And then it then you just can't use it anymore. All of your preparation, everything was about Aaron Rodgers, and then four plays in, it's gone. Has that ever happened to you, Richard, as a, as a play-by-play? Or, you know, you've done they have a star player, and you've done all this research, and then a couple plays in, they get knocked out. No, the the closest thing to that for me was last year in week two. I had Memphis at Arkansas State. And Memphis is notorious about trying to keep like nuclear code secrets about injuries. And, you know, most of the time when a coaching staff or, or a head coach talks to the broadcast team, you know, on a Wednesday or a Thursday leading into the game, they'll say, Hey guys, need, need you to protect us here. But, you know, for, for, for your purposes, this is the quarterback we're going to play. We got an injury. We're trying to keep it under wraps. You know, whatever. So they had said, eh, "You need to probably need to prepare for two quarterbacks." And and Seth Hennigan was the the true freshman coming out of out of Dallas. And I can't. They had a transfer from Arizona State or whatever. But he had kind of led us to believe Ryan Silverfield had that that it was going to be the Arizona State kid that was starting. And so we had built our entire open around a quarterback battle for the Memphis Tigers, just like you, we're not going to know until the starter walks out on the field who the starter is. And we're sitting in the booth, and we're watching warm-ups, and we're like, hold on, Hennigan's the only quarterback out there out of the ones we've talked about. Turns out the other guy is in shorts and a T-shirt, and a ball cap on the field with like a walking boot on and hasn't practiced all week. Like, you know what? What a jerk move. So had kind of prepped for two guys anyway. And then it turns out what but but no, not a deal where you've never even heard of the backup quarterback or and, and then you get to the game and he goes down on play two. Nothing like that. Did you see uh the bar? in Wisconsin, had the all-time backfire. Not the bar. Oh, my gosh. But the patrons of the bar. So, because everybody in in Wisconsin hates Aaron Rodgers because he won them a Super Bowl and played really well and a bunch of MVPs and was a really good player, and uh, they hate him for that, there's a bar. So, I'll let you know, Borky, that if Drew Brees had gone to the Falcons, I would hate Drew Brees. I just want to point that out. Yeah. Continue. But this bar has, and they plan on doing it all season, and so it might end up backfiring on them too. But last night, they were running a special. 
if the Jets lose, your tab is free. And so when Rodgers went down, there was an audible cheer inside the bar in celebration that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And then all the Packers fans there started running up their tab. I mean, just buying drinks and buying drinks and buying them for other people and doing shots and buying drinks. And then they lost it overtime. <laughs> or the Bills lost it overtime. And the Jets won. And there's a reporter there when the game ends, and he's like, the mood has changed here. You see guys looking at their phone just like, Oh, and people are just like staring, looking around, like realizing they've run up a two hundred, three hundred dollar tab, and they got to go pay it. It's it is immaculate in how good it is. We uh, we didn't get into the any of the NFL yesterday, um, and and generally won't on on Mondays during college football season. You know, if, if Mississippi State has an open date, Ole Miss has an open date, whatever. Then October fourteenth, we'll, that Monday yep. will probably be filled with some NFL. But we'll, we'll spend some time on the uh, the rest of the NFL. But generally speaking, that's going to be a, a Tuesday thing. So let's look at some of the results, and you guys tell me if there's anything that, that stood out to you. Falcons beat the Panthers 24-10. to I know you both thought that the Falcons were going 0-17 this year, so uh, my condolences. Um, they get the win. They do. Um, no, they're, they're okay defensively. De- uh, Ritter, it's one game, didn't appear that he had taken that step forward. Uh, but Bryce Young's going to have some growing pains. Sure he is, especially behind a bad offensive line. Horrible offensive line, you know, not great weapons uh, there either. I mean, probably their most talented receiver besides Thielen is a rookie. Um, and then J.C. Horn gets hurt. So the, the, the 2023 version of the Panthers ha- have a chance to be really, really bad, which would ultimately be good because they can go draft a left tackle in the draft. Whoever that guy is, they can go get that guy because not a not a whole lot of winning is coming. Bryce Young in his first start, 146 yards passing, one touchdown, two picks. How about the Cleveland Browns smoking the Bengals, 24 to three? Sean Watson ran for a TD. He threw for one, one interception. Didn't have a big day throwing the football, just 154 yards. But good grief. I don't know if anybody saw that one coming. In fairness, Joe Burrow has not been a participant since, what, the very first preseason game, right? Calf injury. Yeah. Calf better than Achilles. That that is true. Although one plus one sometimes equals two in in that regard. But you hope that's not the case for, uh, for Burrow. But signs that massive contract and gets dominated by the Browns uh, in the very next game. Not uh, not ideal. Cleveland's going to win a lot. Running game, offensive line, defense. They are good at all of those things. And Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. I mean, I know he's been out of practice for a while, but but we've got evidence to point the fact that he's a good quarterback in the uh, in the NFL. Look at the rest of the results when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. (laughs) 
We're going to look at the first week of the NFL season that is now in the books. Jaguars beat the Colts 31-21. Trevor Lawrence threw for 241 and a couple of touchdowns and the win. How good is Jacksonville going to be? Good. Yeah. Playoff I mean, they're a good young team. They're good. Oh, they were playoff good last year. Yeah. Well, they won the they won playoffs last year. Yeah, there's no reason to think they're going to regress. That's that's not a division they should lose. They won they're their easily first the best game in the playoffs, in the too, didn't they? Yeah, that epic comeback, yes. remember, at yeah. home. Yeah. Great yeah. atmosphere. Felt like a college game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colts on the other end of that, not so much. By the way, it was the uh, the debut for Anthony Richardson, 24 of 37, 223 touchdown and an interception. He was sacked four times in that game. So also, if you look at those stats, if you look at those stats, right, they're not mm-hmm. s- jump off the page or anything, right? But those are right. qual- that's a decent start for a rookie in his first game. How was he bad at Florida? Like, he went 24 that's, that's, 37 uh, in a National Football League game. His first one. His, his first yes. ever start. And this guy couldn't get that. I mean, and, and not just his you, first you start, to, uh, but the first time he was eligible to start a game in the NFL. Yeah. Yes. I guess a playoff he, team. If you want like more proof that Napier really isn't getting it done, look at that. I mean, he was never that good in a game at Florida, period. Well, not just Napier. Mullen before that. Yeah, Mullen before that. Yeah. I think if I, I can't help but think that if Mullen had gotten another year and had had Anthony Richardson, it, it might have been a little different. Well, you're a Mullen apologist, though. Ah, well, that's what they say about me. Kirk Cousins goes 33 of 44 for 344 yards with two touchdowns. In a loss. It's the most Kirk Cousins stat line ever. Three turnovers, though. Had the pick and two fumbles. And uh, you're just not going to win games. That result, though, and the Vikings were going to regress back to the mean at some point. What was it, eight uh, single-digit wins last year? Something like that uh, for the Vikings. But that is one of those week one results that we get sometimes where it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And so people were like, oh, are the Bucks good? No, they're not. The answer is no. But you do win games sometimes in this league, and that's going to be one of those, I think. The Vikings are better than that, and I think the Bucks are not like going on the road and beating playoff teams with consistency. This All year. this Baker Mayfield denigration. I hear you, Borky. I hear you. <laughs> uh, we talked some about Titan Saints. We can get more into that. Uh, let, 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 let's set that one to the side. I, I think we need to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, when we've got a few more minutes to do it. But just the rest of the NFL, I mean, good grief, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, right? Never works out when a West Coast team goes to the East Coast. Time differential, blah, 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 30-7. to seven. Best team in the league. Christian McCaffrey, yeah, 152 really yards on the ground. Uh, Brock Purdy. Hey, weren't people just waiting for Brock Purdy to fall on his face just because? 19-29, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And that's coming off of an injury, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He got hurt at the end of last year. Yeah, that's the best team in the mm-hmm. league. And all Brock, Brock Purdy has to do nothing other than, I know it's like a, a negative thing, manage the game. Distribute the football, don't make mistakes. Your defense is incredible and your weapons are incredible. You don't have to be special, and you will win the Super Bowl this year. 
Ravens beat the Texans 25-9. C.J. Stroud in his NFL debut threw for 242 yards. Just kind of nondescript. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Lamar Jackson was fine. Threw for a buck 69. He was picked off one time. Carried it six times for, for 38 yards. And just kind of a ho-hum football game that the uh, Baltimore Ravens get the win in. Packers 38-20 over the Bears. Hello, Jordan Love. 245 yards. Three touchdowns through the air. Justin Fields eh, throws a pick, throws a touchdown, carries it a few times. He's good with his legs. That's a really good start for Jordan Love. Yeah, and Saints will be there three weeks from now, I believe. Week three or week four? I'm going to trust you on it. I should know this, and I don't. I know it's Monday Night Football with the Panthers next week, and it's at Green Bay, so it is week three. It's uh, it's at Carolina, Monday Night Football, and then in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, Raiders beat the Broncos 17-16. Jimmy G throws for a couple hundred yards and two touchdowns in the win for Las Vegas. The Eagles 25-20 to over New England, despite Mac Jones throwing for 316 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, the, the Patriots are going to be formidable. In 20, I mean, maybe not great. I don't think they're going to win the division. That's probably going to be Miami, it feels like. But, but either way, if you thought that Bill Belichick forgot how to coach, I think he's going to prove you wrong this year. And I'm saying that after a loss. But they will win games. They will make the playoffs, I think. Maybe the most entertaining game of Week 1, Dolphins and Chargers. Dolphins and Tua win at 36-34 on the road in L.A. Nice to see Tua Tonga-Vailoa back and healthy. 28 of 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He outdueled Justin Herbert significantly in that ball game. The Chargers had some success running the football, 234 yards on the ground. But it wasn't uh, enough. It was back and forth ball game. Miami gets the win, and one of the things that people are talking about in this game was the timeout that the Dolphins took. Mike Mc, Mike McDonald, McDaniel, McDaniel. Sorry, not McDonald. Mike McDaniel took a timeout after a third down when the Chargers were about to kick a field goal. So it stopped the clock, saved nine seconds. Obviously, it stops after the field goal on the fourth down play, saved them enough time. They ended up using that time to kick a field goal. It was clock management that, for whatever reason, a lot of NFL coaches don't comprehend. Remember why the his hiring was criticized? Do you, do you remember some of like the football meathead guy's take on, on him getting hired? Oh, well, well, he won't command the locker room. He won't command the locker room. He's brilliant. And he also played college football, by the way. It's not like he's some nerd that has only just like been behind you know, a notepad and just doing math all day. He was a college-wide receiver. Like he, he, anyway, but that was the, the criticism is, well, he's, his style is not going to work. He's not going to motivate players. It's professional adult men. All they care about is, can you put me in the right yeah. spot? And, and to me, that's such a lazy take. That that is that that's media guy that doesn't really think. 
that thinks the NFL operates based on a rah-rah yell, be big and strong and physical, that's going to get the respect of your football team? You, you, you tell me, who's the, who's the most ripped coach in the NFL? Is it Robert Sala? Him or, or Dan Campbell. And, and okay. Campbell's kind of that guy, but there's substance behind that juice there, there also is. with him. Let's pretend for a second that Ed Ogeron were a head football coach in the NFL. Well, I mean, that's a guy that he's got a presence that theoretically would command a locker room. And then you got this little squirrely Mike McDaniel who makes all the right decisions, respects his players, talks to them like grown men, treats them like grown men, and then makes in-game decisions that clearly lead to them winning football games. But but you want to talk to me about how that guy can't get the respect of professionals? If you you want to tell me that at the college level, the high school level, okay, I might buy into it to some degree. It's a business, though. It's a business. Yeah. If you've ever watched the show Billions, I, I don't know if you guys have done that or not mm-hmm. on, on Showtime. So one of the characters on Billions is is Wendy. Um, she's like the, she's like the middle coach for the, for the hedge fund office. And she has the ability to kind of like peel back the layers and help them understand why they're succeeding and why they're not succeeding and whatever. She leaves the firm and they hire like this former Marine, whatever. And he just like yells at people. He gets nothing out of them. Well, which one do you respect more? Obviously not exactly the same situation. And somebody's going to hit us up on the ceasefire text line. Goes there goes Richard with his analogies again. No, analogies I saw are that good. One yesterday, yeah, analogies are good. But I do love sometimes where such a complex game can be so simple. For example, the the play that sealed the game for the Saints. Uh, Rashid Shaheed said after the game that Derek Carr walked up to me and said, "Just run, just just run past him, and I'll throw you the ball." Like all of the stuff that goes into these games and game planning and scheme, and it's just. Just go run and I'll throw you the ball and catch it and we'll win the game. And that's what happened. Same thing with the Dolphins. Just throw it to Tyreek. Just throw it to him. And you'll win the game. Just Tua, throw it to him. That's all you got to do. And it turns into wins. This overly complex game can be so simple sometimes. Matt Stafford and the Rams beat the Seahawks 30-13. to Cowboys 40 nothing. Over the New York football giants. We talked about that one a little bit yesterday. It wasn't even that we close did. either. We <laughs> it wasn't even yeah, that close. No. Let's uh, let's wrap up the NFL conversation when we come back with uh, a few more thoughts on the Saints and their season opening win that was oh so impressive to start the year. Wait, was it not? It was a win. They won. Hey, How yes. about that? They got the win. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3 on supertalk.fl, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Wrapping up the first hour of the show on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com almost every weekend in the fall. There's something going on at M-Trade Park. Could be a baseball tournament. Could be a fast-pitch tournament. Could be a soccer tournament. Could be all three at the same time. If you are involved in competitive youth sports, be sure that you are checking out the full schedule of events at mtradepark.com. They've got 14 synthetic turf, infield, natural grass, outfield, ball fields for baseball and fast pitch, and uh, then the soccer fields are just absolutely outstanding. Be headed out there when we get through with the show tonight to uh, to watch six-year-old soccer. Uh, that is that, That's kind of funny watching that it's like a uh uh it's like a beehive that kind of like moves in like just as a group like the ball has a magnet in it yeah yeah there's no track six-year-olds no 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 spreading out no operating in triangles or shapes and uh uh very few assists (laughs) that are happening in uh in six-year-old it's positionless football you know yes yes that's exactly a positionless football Uh, All of that going on at M-Trade Park. Visit them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. So the Saints get the dub on Sunday. It was a noon kickoff game. They play the Titans, kind of a regional matchup. Not really a rivalry, but two teams that are relatively Close in proximity-ish. There, there is a handful of Titans fans there, more so yeah. than. I guess when I think about it, it's like nine hours. Like it's not far to Nashville. It's not far to New Orleans, from from where I sit. But if you like have to go from one to the other, it's probably a whole lot easier just to get on an airplane. Yeah. When, uh, anyway, when 16, we went to dinner 15, on Saturday night, there was a Titans fan that uh, I, I knew the Saints were going to win when I saw this guy. He was wearing his Titans jersey and mm-hmm. he had Mardi Gras beads around his neck in September. And he was sitting on the sidewalk, kind of hunched over. He was alive, uh, but he had um, he was wearing some of what he had consumed earlier in the day. He was having a hard time, and huh. uh, and that's that's when I knew <laughs> that's when I knew the Saints were going to win. Uh, he just New Orleans isn't before, for everybody. He couldn't. You know? He's like they're not ready. They weren't ready. But don't uh, know how to manage. Yeah. Don't know how to manage it. That's uh, that is is very oh. Thanks for the visual, Bort. Where'd you guys end up eating dinner Friday night? Uh, Mr. B's. There you go. Good choice. And I got gumbo because he Great had choice. to. And Did you then, get the barbecue shrimp? No, just gumbo. Because uh, well, oh. I, I, had, I had drank and eaten what? a lot all throughout the day. And so I, I, by then it was like, we're going to eat because we have to go to eat. But like I'm, I'm stuffed. So I got something that I knew that I would eat and, and be good with. Um, I also, out. I forget where I got this. Uh, I'm going to show you guys the picture. I, I forget what the place was called. On game day morning, that is Boudin Benedict, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's good on uh, on Sunday morning, but yeah. Hey, Dad, the the next time you find yourself in Atlanta having dinner at Kevin mm. Rathbun's Steak, you should just try their broccoli and cheese <gasps> soup. It's amazing. Yeah, just have the That's soup. All you should eat. Nothing Come else. on, Borky. I, You're I, in New Orleans. You got to take it to another level. All right, you got to find I, room. I didn't feel like. It didn't feel like eating shrimp. You, you want to be night. you want to be treated like a superstar. You better give me superstar effort. Had a mm. high quality sandwich at the the Koshan Butcher earlier in the day as well. Oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Were you were you impressed that I knew I the name so of impressed. the sandwich? 
I was so impressed. Like, it's so that is my too. sandwich of choice at the Co- at Koshan Butcher. That, that, I mean, for a sandwich. I love the Italian cured meats. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would think like a, a, a sandwich shop, at, 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 there, you get to a point where it's like, it's just sandwiches, right? Not there. It's not. It's not. Did you get some boudin balls while you were there? Please say yes. And, and crawfish pies as well, which were great. Ah, yes. You did good. All right, so now I'm starting to get why you had no room for Mr. B's. If you I, ate all I, that I, I at Koshan Butcher. I drank all day long. I mean, uh, all day go. long. What'd you eat Saturday night? That's where. That's when we went. Sunday, we just went to the game and got in the car and went home. So I went to Mr. B. Okay, Saturday. yeah. He okay. Richard said Friday night and it threw threw me off there. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was off by a day. Uh, yeah. Derek Carr, twenty three of thirty three, three hundred five yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Um, you know, it'll be good to get uh, Alvin Kamara back. It, it will be. Running game is pretty pretty not great. Had issues up front too, yeah. and I mean the Titans are really good. That's one of the better defensive lines in the league, though, with Simmons. And I mean, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know that this was possible, uh, but we learned in the Ower case that it was. Um, Arden Key adopted Trevor Penning on Sunday. Became his father. <laughs> it was incredible to watch on the field in front of everybody. Did he ask him who his daddy was? <laughs> Had to have with how bad he was beating him for four quarters. Oof. But good All defense, right. though. Tannehill stinks, but... You forgot forgot how good Arden Key was in college. He he was so dominant at LSU, and now he's looking good in the NFL. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We will turn our attention to the college game coming up next with Bill Bender from the Sporting News on the Farm Bureau guest line. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi, 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. I don't even know what this message means other than Terry wants a rant from Haydad. About what? I don't know. Just load one in the holster and get it ready for later. We'll uh, we'll do that. Because right now, we're going to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. This is Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Our friend Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Always nice to catch up with uh, Bill. I feel like it, even if the first two weeks of the college football schedule didn't have like the greatest games of all time. I feel like each of the first two weeks has delivered pretty good drama. Yeah, I mean, you know, Florida State beating LSU, beating Alabama. Uh, a couple upsets in there, but nothing too major. I mean, those are heavyweight upsets because the underdog won. And in Texas's case, the underdog went into a place where not too many people win and won by 10 points. So, I think those are the two obvious, and then the next one will be next week when Notre Dame and Ohio State play. Those were the three mm. games that I had circled for September, and they've lived up to expectations from a drama standpoint. You're absolutely right about that. Bill, did we underestimate the amount of attention that Colorado was going to command going into the year? <laughs> I mean, that's all I've wrote about for the last three weeks, so I would say... 
mean, I I remember Dion as a player, and it it was a big deal. I mean, those Cowboys teams were a cultural phenomenon when he played. In the I know because I'm a Packers fan, they would beat him every year. So, <laughs> um, you know, the the, the two they, I will say this, and I, I don't think it's an understatement. I think he's made Colorado the most popular team in the country in two weeks, which is just out of this world to me. And, and you know, he, he's driven interest in the sport. The numbers on that game were close to Alabama-Texas. That tells you all you need to know. Second most watched game of the weekend, 8.73 million viewers, and it actually drew a higher rating than Alabama-Texas did. It, it's incredible. Now, I, I guess the second part of that question, or at least a follow-up, would be like, if we had known that Colorado was going to win at TCU, then maybe we would have realized what the hype was going to be, but because that win just took it to an, it was insane in Boulder on Saturday. Yeah, and, and the first win uh, did that because I just remember what it, how it changed was in the first week I was just waiting for TCU to do something to win the game. Yeah. In the second week, it was okay. How many points is Colorado going to win by? And the fact that they have superstar players that are easy to get attached to, whether it's uh, Shadur or Travis Hunter or Dylan Edwards. And, you know, you got Deion Sanders there. And you and I talked about this in the offseason. People have their mind made up on D. But if you like being entertained, I think it's good for the sport to have a person like Deion Sanders, who I happen to like, um, coaching kids. I think it's great. Do you remember, Bill, when we were growing up, it feels like there were there were four brands that everybody now you you grew up in the Midwest, so maybe there was one more, but I feel like everybody either had a hat or shorts or a t shirt or a starter jacket from Florida State or Miami or Michigan or North Carolina. It's like those were the four, and I just right. wonder if we're like trending toward Colorado kind of being the twenty twenty three version of that. Well, I can tell you growing up in Central Ohio, there weren't a lot of Michigan jackets. I can okay. say that with safety. But the Miami one hit, and Florida State for sure, because they were the – Miami in particular was the cool program. You know, you wanted to be cool. You wanted to watch Miami. Now, I went to a Catholic school, so, again, probably not a lot of Miami jackets <laughs> as opposed to Notre Dame, but um, especially in the 80s. But uh, – it was a lot of fun, and I think Colorado's created that. The story I've been telling everybody the last couple of weeks is my sister probably watches 15 minutes of college football a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, goes, she called me. She goes, hey, Dion won. And I'm like, yeah, Colorado won. And so when you have that kind of appeal where you become more than just a college football story, I think Jewel Klatt said it best. I mean, this is teetering on biggest story in all of sports. And as such, big noon kickoff is going back for a second consecutive week, and college game day is going to Boulder. I, you you may remember better than I. I don't remember both of them being in the exact same place unless it was for a Michigan-Ohio State game in the last few years. Has that happened before? No, I, I can't remember. Like an Ohio State, Michigan, maybe an Iron Bowl, like one of those type environments. Uh, it doesn't happen often. And, you know, they know what sells. And, I mean, I can tell you from our end, in the, you know, paid view and 
you know, impression business, Dion is getting a lot of attention, and deservedly so. I mean, they've become this team, and it's only going to grow if they win this week because the next two weeks they play Oregon. Remember, there's another program that's kind of built itself as the cool program with their uniforms, and then sure. – I mean, is there? What if they're four and zero when they play USC and Caleb Williams? Can you imagine? Mm, it'll be a show. And that game's in. That game's at the Coliseum, right? It is. And I mean, Caleb Williams to this point has played virtually flawless, flawless. football with twelve touchdowns, no interceptions. He's averaging sixteen yards of completion to, to his receivers. It's absurd what he's been able to do. You put Colorado in that environment. And again, I think people are just waiting. You know, there are the Dion haters out there that are waiting for Colorado to lose. And I think that's something to keep in mind. You know what's really fascinating to me about that game, Colorado at SC? If it sets up the way you just described a second ago, where Colorado's undefeated going in, L.A. is a stars town, right? Stars flock to interesting stories. Caleb Williams is obviously interesting. Clearly it will be a partisan crowd. But the flashy stars are going to be on the Colorado sideline. I actually would kind of be interested to see what the, the celebrity contingent that goes to that game, if they kind of gravitate more to the Colorado side of things. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, like Wu-Tang Clan and, and Michael Irvin and, you know, those kind of guys were on the Colorado sideline last uh, last week. And I know Snoop and Will Farrell have been on the USC sideline. You, you just said it. I mean, not to mention that, uh, another angle that will Jerry Rice's son plays for USC, and we all know about the Jerry Rice Deontay rivalry. So uh, it's great for the sport. I, like I said, it drives interest. I don't know how long they're going to take this thing. I do know it's been a fun ride to carry through September. And, and every time, like you just said earlier, when you think about the fact that they had a higher Nielsen rating than Alabama-Texas, which was as big a college football game as you can imagine having in September, that tells you all you need to know. All right, so on the Texas front, we pulled up their schedule yesterday, and Texas should be favored in every single game that it has played. It got past the first hurdle, right? It gets the massive win against Alabama, and they do it on the road, and they're really impressive. And to me, they weren't impressive just because of Quinn Ewers. They were impressive because of what they did on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Now comes to me maybe the more difficult part for Texas. Can they can they clear all of the other hurdles, all the games that they're supposed to win? Can they do this week in, week out for the entire year? Uh, we're going to find out. I mean, they're going to play a lot of close games in the Big 12, and, you know, that's part of the nature. Can they keep this momentum? They're playing Wyoming this week. They'll be fine. But the next three weeks, it's Baylor. It's Kansas. It's... Oklahoma, the Red River Showdown, where they won by 49 last year. Can you do this every single week in a conference where there are a lot of one-score games? I was so impressed with their aggressiveness, the way Quinn Ewers played. You need elite quarterback play to go into Alabama and win. They got that. And and like you said, now that people are saying Texas isn't back in a non-Twitter viral meme-type way, I think that's the challenge going forward. Yeah, yeah, not as a punchline. Has... The, the group of teams that you look at as playoff contenders slash potentially good enough to win the national championship changed it all through two weeks? Well, I mean, nine. there's nine teams in the top ten that, that look pretty good. I mean, I could see they're going conference by conference. I mean, Washington, Utah, USC, Oregon, any one of them. Um, 
Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State in the ACC, the SEC, Georgia, and everybody else right now, and then uh, Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. So that list of teams that can make the playoffs is about the same. That list, but I mean, the most impressive teams I've watched so far, and I haven't watched Georgia close enough, um, Texas, Notre Dame, and Florida State. I agree, and I'm not sure that going into the year, if we had predicted after week two who the three most impressive would be, those are the three names you would have given me. Bill, always appreciate the time. Fantastic work as always, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Give him a follow on Twitter. Be sure to read his work at sportingnews.com. He's one of the good guys that uh, covers college football. True passion for the game that goes along with that as well. Bill joined us, as he always does, on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. More coming up after this. On Super Talk Mississippi. A message, maybe a couple of them on the uh, ceasefire text line, reminding us that uh, you had both um, Fox's pre. What's it called? Big Big Noon pregame. I, I just couldn't remember the name of the show, and uh, or whatever it's called. Big Noon kickoff. Big Noon kickoff. That's what it's That's called. That's right. And uh, and game day. They were both in Austin last year, prior to the Alabama Texas game. That makes sense. Absolutely yeah. does. Madden Tuplo says, sitting in the club seats at the Ole Miss-Mercer game, and folks in the row in front of us were watching the Colorado-TCU game on their phones, not eating bottomless chicken wings or even watching the game that was happening live in front of us. Bottomless chicken wings, you say? Hey, Dad was about to scoff at the club seats comment, and then he was like, oh, perhaps I should check into this. Not- I like club seats, man, but bottomless chicken wings. Goodness gracious, I could I could turn a profit on that deal. He's captivated the country. I watched their game in New Orleans, and everybody had a vested interest in Colorado, Nebraska. Uh, you love him, hate him, somewhere in between. But you know, he he's got that persona that honestly, it's really good for sports when you've got somebody like Coach Prime around. Because a lot of people love him. A lot of people loved Tiger Woods. A lot of people loved Tom Brady. A lot of people loved LeBron James. Now that number's changing a little bit, but a lot of people also hate Coach Prime. They hate how he acts. They hate the flash. They hate this. They hate that. Tom Brady's a cheater. He's a cheater. Tiger Woods doesn't act like a golfer should act. He's They all had haters, too. And that balance of captivating and good, winning, like successful, 
and also inviting negative reaction is perfect for television ratings and clicks on your website. Yeah. And it's it's really good to add intrigue into a sport. Two things. One, the likability index for all of those superstars that you mentioned, there's only one that was almost unanimous. It's Michael Jordan. Jordan's different. Celtics fans, maybe not. Pistons fans early on, maybe Pistons not. Pistons fans. Yeah. But basically everybody loved Jordan. Yeah. I have I have no ill will towards Michael Jordan. Tiger Woods is was like everybody loved him. A lot of people decided they didn't like him. It bottomed out, and then with the comeback, everybody loved him when he won the last major at the Masters. Yeah. That was everybody was on board with that. How about this text though? This is from Andy. And his text, I think, is a good one because I think we've seen what's happening before, at least the beginning. He says, for us Gen Xers, this Colorado hype feels a lot like the hype generated by the original rise of the U with Michael Irvin, Cleveland Gary, and Jimmy Johnson. Is that? Is this the U 2.0? I don't know if that's the case because, I mean, Miami, a lot of that was because it's in Miami, which mm-hmm. is an exotic it location. And, it was. And you have the same time, like you have like, you have like Miami Vice going on, and then there was just a lot of focus of the nation's attention on Miami. I don't know if Colorado presents the same things there, but at the same time, people talk about the, how much they love the underdog, and you've talked about this before, but really they don't. They don't like it when new programs just blossom into powers, and that's what Miami faced back in the 80s, right? Now, Miami was nothing. Then all of a sudden, they were the best team in college football. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. Where's Oklahoma and Nebraska? And it's sort of the same thing here. Like, oh, it's not supposed to be good. Where's Georgia and Alabama? So, but you yeah, know what? there's something to that. There are a couple of things going here that can't derail Colorado. One, the NCAA is now toothless. So there's not going to be any NCAA toppling of the Colorado Buffaloes. And number two, they can build it faster than Miami was able to build it because of the transfer portal. You thought last year's class was good? Now, it's not going to be 86 new players next year. That's not going to happen again. Are you not? Kind of fascinated to see what recruiting class number two looks like. Recruiting class and portal class. Because For Colorado? Yeah. Some people may disagree with this, but but you're wrong. Every pretty much every player in the country would pick up the phone if Deion Sanders called. There may be some exceptions. Like Caleb Williams wasn't gonna leave USC. Like he's not leaving USC. Wouldn't have last offseason, I don't think. No. No. So there are rare exceptions. But if Deion Sanders, through back channels and tampering, because that's a thing, reached out to a player, he's listening. All of them. Even if they don't go, they're all listening. He's going to have to have a quarterback for next year. Yeah, I saw Mel Kuyper put Shador third on his draft board. I think that's a little premature. 
little premature. But yeah, he's going to go after this year. And he said if he comes back for another year in college, he would unquestionably be number one on the draft board the following year. I mean, I'd have to think a little bit more yeah. about the quarterbacks that are coming out in two years before I agreed or disagreed with that. But I don't know. It's 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 pretty. He got tra- it's something. He got Travis Hunter. With all due respect to Jackson State, I went to game day at Jackson State. I, I, I want Jackson State to do well. Every person I've met affiliated with Jackson State is awesome. Like it, it, he got the number one prospect in the United States of America to turn down what would have been a lot, a lot, a lot of money to go to a Florida State, for example, or anywhere in the country. He got him to go to Jackson State to play for him. Somebody says there are a few programs that if a coach calls, everyone is listening. That's not new. Yeah, but it's new for Colorado. We're talking Colorado, man. And this this is this is a little bit different. Um, somebody said Colorado recruiting currently has eight commitments and they are ranked seventy six on twenty four seven sports. Yeah, just, just hang on. Let, let, let's yeah, yeah it, let's do it's the, September. Let, let it play out just uh, just a touch. So yeah. What about this? Brother, the transfer portal I mean, also hasn't, is there, hasn't opened yet. So, yeah. Is there any this? doubt in your mind? Is there any doubt in your mind that Dion will flip a five star from Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State at some point? Maybe, maybe all year? four of them. The, the, the only surprise is if he doesn't do it with multiple players. That's yeah, the only surprise right. for me at this point. I got to read this text. I don't know who it's from. I wish you'd sign your name for it. I have a strong feeling that Colorado is just a stop on Dion's way to the SEC. Maybe three or four seasons of success at Colorado, and then Alabama has its replacement for Nick Saban. The immediate uh, reaction that, is to but... say, no, why that wouldn't work. Right? That's the no, immediate reaction. I, no. My, my, I mean, the idea that he's on his way back to the SEC, sure. I mean, he's, he's a coach now. He'd like to advance, like to get better jobs. I mean, Dion, it would, be, it would be kind of funny considering it feels like Auburn turned down Dion. And if he were to go to Alabama, he might just spank them every year just for the heck of it. Um, I don't know. It would be it'd be an interesting fit. But don't tell me he couldn't be successful as hell there. Oh, he would be. But would Alabama people be willing to put up with their coach? What are you putting up with, though? Him being about himself and not Alabama. Deion Sanders is about... And, and, you know, it's working. It works. So Colorado letting him do it makes sense. Ole Miss giving Lane Kiffin more of a leash than other coaches get makes sense. Ole Miss doesn't have the history of Alabama. So Lane Kiffin can get away with more stuff at Ole Miss than he could at Alabama. Everything that Deion Sanders wears has prime on it. Everything. Would they put up with a guy that puts all the team meetings on YouTube for everything to see, that that instead of wearing uh, a nice golf shirt with the Alabama A on it, he's got a shirt that has prime across it with his Instagram handle on his back? It shouldn't bother them, but you know how people think. And operate. There, it was a quote-unquote scandal that Zach Arnett dared say a potty word on on television once. Now think about Alabama people 
and that persona, would they accept that? I don't think so. They should, but I don't think they would. He is also wearing Colorado logo stuff. Now, he all is. of it says Prime on it somewhere. But but he's wearing a Buffalo's logo. He, he's all in on Colorado. And look, maybe he's loyal. Maybe he thinks he can do everything that he wants to do at Colorado. I, 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 maybe. What What's the scariest spot where he could potentially land in the SEC? Scariest? Mm-hmm. To everybody else. Bama. Texas Bama. A&M. Funniest would be Florida. I don't even know if he could make Texas A&M cool. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon, the 12th of September. Glad to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Luke Johnson joins us now, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel, and available to you for download as a podcast at supertalk.fm. Luke joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So, Luke, um, thankfully for Southern Miss, Saturday night is now in the rearview mirror. I'm sure that Will Hall and this team have moved on, but we need to take uh, need to take one last look back. I mean, dominant, pick the word you want to, I suppose, to describe it. Florida State's really, really good, and maybe this should have been expected going into that game, but it's still hard to swallow one where you give up 66. It's hard to swallow, and uh, you know it's hard to swallow when you throw a pick six, uh, when you give up four runs of thirty or more. You know, Florida State rushed for three hundred, but one hundred and fifty of that was on four plays. Um, an- another thing, uh, kind of chap Golden Eagle fans, uh, Norvell kicked a surprise onside in the first quarter, up fourteen to nothing, and so that was another possession that you get. Um, so yeah, you uh, Eagles had. Well, hold on a second. Why are people upset? Why are people upset about that? Like, if it's in the fourth quarter, up fifty-eight to nothing, I get it. Why, just what's the frustration in the first quarter? Well, I think people said you're a thirty-one point, you know, favorite. Why are you kicking a surprise onside from a football? What what I said on the Eagle Hour was from a football perspective, if Southern Miss is bailing out early on the kickoff return and just handing you a free piece of candy, you got to take it. And from uh, you know a holistic perspective, I'm glad it happened in the first quarter against Florida State, and it didn't get exposed. Uh oh, we lost Luke for a second. I do like that image, though. He just froze, completely froze. Hopefully, we will uh, we will get that worked out. Florida here. State got to him. They heard he was talking about the Knolls. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll try to reconnect with Luke in uh, in just a second. I did not realize that Florida State had kicked an onside kick in the uh, in the first quarter. Is there any reason to have issue with that? I did not. No. No. Not in the first quarter, it's not that big a deal, I don't think. Okay. One of the things Luke was telling me about before the um uh, before we started visiting on the air that that kind of stood out as a positive. And look, I understand that 
if you're like, okay, try to find the silver lining, you're you're maybe overplaying. There we go. We got Luke back. Luke, I was just going to go back to what you and I were talking about before the segment began. You know, calling it a silver lining or whatever, kind of throw that out the window. But that doesn't mean that even in a bad loss you can't do some good things. And some of those good things happened on the defensive side. Yeah, um, I don't know if you heard me finish that. All I was saying on the onside kick was that Florida State got an extra possession. You know, that was it. But, yeah, defensively, Golden Eagles uh, facing an elite receiving core. They had seven pass breakups. They had four tackles for loss. They got Travis down on two sacks. That's the same thing that Florida State did, the exact same statistics. So, uh, Will was really proud of the secondary. You know, a lot of one-on-one matchups. Um, there were a lot of pass breakups. Um, Florida State was four of 12 on third down. Now they were four or five on fourth down. And uh, all those four conversions happened uh, in the first half. And there was two particular plays on one scoring drive where Jordan Travis just was Jordan Travis. He got away from about five defenders and uh, and made plays happen to convert fourth downs. So, yeah, I mean, you, you do give up uh, tons of points. You give up a lot of yards. Um, at the same time, uh, Will kind of joked Monday. He said that, you know, Mike Norville said, we got guys in the training room. You know, will beat us up. So, uh, going, you know, going away from it, you can uh, take away that they were facing a elite on both sides of the ball. Um, they didn't give up tons of sacks like we've seen in years past. And they were able to get after Travis, um, you know, in that way. You know, I think you may even mention yesterday, he only completed 18 passes. Um, on the offensive side, Billy Wiles did not look good statistically. Uh, he was pressured a lot, and he hung in there. Um, they should have scored uh, on, on a wheel route. He kind of forced a throw. And uh, Will told us yesterday that basically the entire team knew that coming out of Tallahassee that they had a quarterback. And I think Billy Wiles earned a lot of respect from his guys, being the fact that he hung in there. Um, and they didn't they didn't put anybody else in. I mean, he was on every offensive snap. So that's where I was going to go next. I mean, okay, if there were some bright spots on the defensive side, what about on the offensive side? I mean, Rodriguez-Clark... Averages almost six yards a carry. He's got a touchdown run. Goes for 86 yards. Meanwhile, Frank Gore carries it 11 times for just 31 yards. It is, and I can't even believe that I'm asking this, is Rodriguez-Clark emerging as the number one option in the backfield? No. What happened was when the game got out of, uh, when you know, when, when the game got out of uh, contest in the mid-third quarter, Clark exclusively uh, be- became the, the feature back. So what they tried to do in the first half, they knew they probably couldn't run the ball on the interior yeah. as much. They started going to the outside, and they really tried to get Frank in space on some screens and some swing passes. Didn't work out like they like they planned, but that's the reason for it. Later in the game, um, they just let Clark exclusively run and didn't risk any kind of, any type of injury with Frank. All right, so let's just turn the page forward because this Saturday is really big. Home game for Southern Miss, national television audience, Tulane coming in, Tulane coming off the loss at home last week to to Ole Miss. Obviously, Southern Miss, the loss on the road to Florida State. Um, you got to believe this is a game that Tulane has circled on the schedule, given the fact that Southern Miss was uh, one of the few blemishes on that resume a year ago. Just some thoughts on this game. It feels really big to me. It's huge. Uh, both of the first two games went like what we thought they would go. And this game right here could is the difference between Southern Miss possibly winning seven games or really saying that this team isn't where you thought it was. Or this team, you know, uh, 
apart from playing the number thir- three team in the nation, is going to be really good in the Sun Belt Conference. Um, I think on top of that, M- Michael Pratt's uh, the big question mark by his name. Horton showed that he can play, and of course, you wonder what they're going to do. You know, uh, with losing Tajay Spears to the NFL, and they've got a more than capable, you know, new back in in Makai Hughes, who rushed for almost 100 yards against against Ole Miss. I mean. There's a reason why um, they finished in the top 10 last year. So uh, I, I think Will has done a good job communicating what this game means traditionally. This is only the the uh, fourth time these two teams have played since 2010. And uh, and so, you know, for me, this game is always special. We played them every year. This is the game I proposed to my wife on senior day at Southern Miss. So Tulane, mm-hmm. Tulane means a lot. Um, and I do think uh, – Obviously, the, the rosters will be far more equal this Saturday. And so what Will was looking for, you know, in three years against Florida State, you know, how do you, how do you match up? Not, not score-wise, but personnel-wise. I think you'll even everybody see, be able to see more the depth, you know, of the roster. But, uh, but particularly, like, you know, I think Southern Miss snuck up on Tulane last year. I, I, I think Tulane wasn't, wasn't expecting that out of Southern Miss. They weren't expecting, you know, the the guys that they had on that side of the ball. And so one thing, you know, Willie Fritz going to be ready for this game. And uh, Southern Miss players have, have alluded that to this week. So Tulane, you're going to get Tulane's best just because they're not going to overlook you. Is this one that's personal for Will Hall, given that that's a place that he coached? I think so, because the last time Tulane was in the rock, they put 66 up at his, you know, at his hands because he was the offensive coordinator for Tulane. And so uh, I, I think he wants to defend his home turf now. But I, I'm just kind of looking for in this game things that I never suspected because these two men know each other so well. You know, what wrinkles um, Willie, you know, has, has seen, knows the offense that Will runs. Will knows exactly what, what they're going to run. Um, going back to Pratt, Fritz, Fritz said today that they're going to wait till Thursday or Friday to know if they even can use him. Went through all his drills today, but because he's, his knees dinged up, they want to make sure he can protect himself Saturday. And whether Horton or uh, or Pratt are in the game, Southern Miss's front seven has to disrupt Tulane if they want to be have you know see positive results in the game. Yeah, um, is it going to be a good crowd Saturday? I hope so. Um, you know. Southern Miss fans can look at Florida State and not think reality sometimes. Um, and that could cause a damper. It is a three o'clock kickoff. I wish it was a little later. Uh, but I do expect, um, the fact that there was a really good crowd for the Alcorn game. They certainly need to. I mean, you've got a top 25 team, you know, essentially the best group of five team coming to play who used to be an old rival and the bell still goes to the winner. So there's a whole lot to play for. And I hope people will keep that in perspective. Got the bell. Um, you know, I, I don't really have time to go deep on this, but I, I think there were a lot of people that maybe had not paid much attention to, to Tulane prior to seeing that game with Ole Miss last week that kind of came away going from that going, I think Willie Fritz is a really good football coach. And for the people that have followed it more closely for an extended period of time, Willie Fritz is a really good football coach. He has won a lot of games, and uh, he was at Georgia Southern for those two years and won all that. And what you have to deal with at Tulane, you know, with the entrance requirements and how sometimes athletics is put on the back burner, they're invested with with the brand-new Yulman Stadium. And, yeah, so uh, it should should be fun. He's a great coach. Luke, thanks as always for your time. Look forward to uh, catching up soon. Okay. Y'all have a good day, Richard.
Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, and Super Talk Laurel. We'll come back and wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you right after this. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. So the most viewed game in terms of number of viewers was Alabama-Texas on Saturday night. 8.76 million was the average audience for that. It peaked at over 10 million. That was a really, really good audience. Game carried was carried on both ESPN and ESPN2. You had the Pat McAfee on-field commentating alternate broadcast. Did y'all flip over and watch any of that? I did not. Yeah. I was just kind of they, watching the game. They had it on one one of the TVs at the bar. And what I don't like, and the Manicast does it too, and people like it, so whatever. Only so much of the screen is the actual football. You know, yeah. when the play's going on, go to full screen and then reduce it down to watch McAfee and A.J. Hawk talk to each other. And now I, we couldn't hear the audio of it because we were at a bar and they were only playing the regular game audio. Yeah. But you could see, it's like there's so much of the game that is like reduced down to this corner just so you can see Pat like with his hands on his knees. Get rid of that while the play's going on, and you would probably have a more enjoyable viewer experience, I think. I would agree with that. I was um, sitting at the bar in the hotel in Syracuse on Saturday night, and that was the – when I first got there, that was the view of the game they had on. Like, there were a bunch of Big Ten games or whatever else was on around the country. And then this Alabama-Texas game, it was like the ESPN2 version of it. I'm like, can we go to, like, regular ESPN so we can see the whole screen? Completely agree with you on that. Second most viewed game of the weekend, the rating actually higher than Alabama-Texas. Did a 4.8 in terms of rating with 8.73 million viewers was the way the day started. Nebraska and Colorado on uh, on Fox. Texas A&M, Miami did just over 4 million. And that was a weird one from a time standpoint, right? Did they have a was there a weather delay in that game or did it get pushed back for some reason a little bit or just run long? I, I don't remember what the deal was. Um it's a big win for Cristobal. He needed that. It was. It absolutely yeah. was. Um Iowa Iowa State the Cyhawk Trophy game, hey, Dad, was the fourth most watched game in the country. And uh, then you had UNLV Michigan, Notre Dame, NC State. The, those one, two, four of those five games tell you something. We underestimate the passion for college football in the Midwest. Oh, it's there. Yeah. Big, big Ten country watches college football big time 
Yeah. Big time. They care. Just fewer athletes there to, to make their teams matter more. But, yeah, they care. I, I, I love how, and, and tune in to Gallo uh, tomorrow at 6 for more, how dishonest political reporting is nowadays. Because all the candidates went to that game. And, and if Trump was shown on the video board, and I saw one outlet describe President Trump gets cheers at the Iowa-Iowa State game. The exact same game where the exact same people did the exact same thing. Trump gets negative response from fans at Iowa Booed Iowa State unmercifully. Game. It's a, the, it was the same game where the same stuff happened, and you guys have completely opposite responses to it. Just so incredibly dishonest. Frankly, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Mixed reactions, probably some cheers, probably some not, because that's kind of how politicians should be received anyway but uh, just that stood out to me is how ridiculous this all has become Ole Miss Tulane was the 11th most watched game of the day it did 1.44 million people on ESPN2 that's a decent ESPN2 number it was the most watched game on ESPN2 of the day uh, but obviously it's not going to draw as big a crowd of e- as ESPN or an over the air property uh, here's Maybe a little bit of a litmus test. Texas-Alabama, most viewed game of the day, and it was on ESPN. After that, the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven most viewed games were all over the air on either Fox or ABC or CBS. Man, sports Now, now the, the SEC will have ABC as part of its package starting next year. It's very important. But everything else is ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN USEC Network. So I cut the cord. I, I, I stream games. I, I use Hulu. That's just the one I chose, uh, mostly because of Pelicans games. But I watch the network games on an HD antenna. Yeah. I got the HD antenna strapped to the back of the TV. And so any game on Fox, NBC, all, all the networks, I watch on that. It's faster and it's you know there's no buffering when it's over the air. Hey, Dad, when you were at your grandparents' house or maybe even at home as a kid, did you have to go turn the dial so that the antenna would rotate? We, we, didn't, we didn't have antenna. We, we, we had cable back in the day, so we, we were good. My, my, grandmother was way too, my grandmother was way too big a sports fan to not have cable. She had to watch her Braves every night. Yeah, but pre-cable. I mean, I, was, I don't remember pre-cable. Okay. Well, and, and my grandmother did live in kind of in the country, so she was in Coffeeville, and they had an antenna on the side of the house, but it had the manual rotor, so I'd go turn the knob, and it would go click, 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 and I the uh, antenna would get into place to get a better signal. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to, back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour. Good afternoon. Welcome once again to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses. Fall golf is the best golf, at least in my view. So take advantage of great golf courses right here in Mississippi. 
You can uh, play the Oaks. You can play the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit Golf, part of Pearl River Resort. Great to be with you. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you, and it's just $30 a month with AutoPay. Connect and Protect gives you tools to easily track your kids' location, restrict content, limit screen time, and help protect them online. Plus, right now you can get iPhone 12 for less than $11 a month. Or get a free TCL Stylus 5G. No trade-in needed. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. We will get in just a second to the college football fix. It's a Tuesday, so we will look at lines. But I I wanted to make sure that I brought this to your attention in case you haven't seen it. Brett McMurphy tweeted this earlier uh, this afternoon. And stories are out there. The NCAA is, quote, aware of violent and possibly criminal threats recently directed at committee members involved in regulatory decisions regarding transfer waivers. The national office is coordinating with law enforcement, close quote. And the NCAA says that this is a result of public remarks by some of the University of North Carolina's leadership. They acted far quickly on this, far more quickly on this than they do on uh, some of the waiver requests. It's funny how when it's in their interest, they can quickly get a response together. Look, I, I am not advocate. It's, it, look, I mean, how stupid is it to threaten an NCAA committee member violently or otherwise online or however based on a decision they made about the eligibility of a student athlete? Okay, that's dumb. It is. But so is the NCAA in just about everything they do. What in the world? I mean, there's so much wrong to go around in this story. Like, plenty. Plenty. Like, if you... Hey, Dad, didn't you use the word sicko yesterday? If you threaten somebody because of a decision they made related to athlete eligibility, you're a sicko. I used it in a positive way. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, an, not, not, a, a football sicko is an endearing term. Yeah. means you yeah, watched well, the entirety of Auburn Cal that started at 9.30 on Saturday night. That makes you a sicko. I'm or, using a different term for sicko. You're a sicko if you do that. But you know who else is a sicko? The NCAA for, without calling him by name, laying the blame at the feet of Matt Brown for standing up for his player and therefore people lashing out at the people who made the ridiculous decision to not grant Tez Walker eligibility. That's a big play in the playbook nowadays. When an individual does something bad, we blame anybody but said individual for the thing that they do poorly. Yeah, you're right. Although, I do do feel like, in full fairness... I, I should be willing to stick with what I said. The, the problem is the NCAA has not done exactly what I said. When we were talking about transfer a year ago or years ago, I said lift the transfer restriction period. One-time transfer available for everybody. 
You can transfer for any reason that you see fit one time with zero penalty. But once you use your one-time transfer for free, there is no circumstance, none, where you are immediately eligible if you transfer again. You're eligible for scholarship, but you are not eligible for playing time that year. And there are a lot of people that don't agree with that, and that's fine. I I do feel like I need to own the fact that I said that a few years ago. And I still kind of agree with that. The problem is there hasn't been any consistency. right? The NCAA is still open to accepting waivers and discussing whether or not an exception should be made. If you just make a rule, say, yeah, anybody can transfer one time anywhere. Beyond that, there is no exception. If you transfer again, somebody can take you in, you can be on scholarship, but you cannot be eligible to play for that year. Use your one transfer wisely. If somebody gets sick in your family, if you deal with mental health issues, if you're just uncomfortable, if you're not getting playing time, whatever, you can transfer. But none of those very good reasons for wanting to transfer a second time will allow you immediate eligibility under any circumstances. But they haven't they haven't said that. They didn't enforce the second transfer rule for a while. Then they were like, oh, this is out of control. we got to enforce it. So it's like they're just kind of like waving in the wind like the weed in Oklahoma that Oklahoma State fans like to wave. Wave the weed. Anyway. All right, let's get to it. College football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. We've got lines for games this week. Mississippi State will be the first team in the SEC to kick off on Saturday when immediately out of college game day. They host the LSU Tigers at Davis Wade in Starkville. Should be a great environment for that game. Weather looks like it's going to be really, really good. Line has moved a half a point. LSU is now a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The total is 54. Excuse me, 54-and-a-half. Just initial thoughts. Yes, I've hiccuped a couple of times today, and you laugh every time. Hey, Dad, it's okay. I have. I have laughed every time. Ah. Uh... My initial thoughts were that LSU would cover that. I think I think they'll probably win by two touchdowns. Um, unless, unless State plays the way they played last Saturday, in which case LSU will win by four touchdowns. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I mean, I just okay. I mean, if you told me right now that LSU wins something like thirty-one seventeen, something like that, I, I, I buy it. Yeah, Daniels can do the same things that Delora did last weekend, and he's better at it with better weapons. And a better offensive line. Yeah. It's a, That's yeah. It's a tough recipe. I did see the uh, the the chart earlier, and uh, shout out to Clark Brooks who who always does the the pass charting and stuff like that. I know he only had what seventeen attempts. However, Will Rogers threw four passes last Saturday that traveled further than ten yards in the air. Hmm? Four. And every week is different. Every game play. It, it, Transitive property does not work in football. There are things that Mississippi State did last Saturday that they won't do this Saturday and vice versa. And everybody, every game's different. Everybody's different. I understand that. You cannot be that conservative and beat LSU. You, you can't do it. 
if you are that conservative, if you are Matt Walsh making documentaries as a quarterback, then... Sorry, I love it. Uh, then you are you have zero chance to beat LSU. Absolutely none. Uh, Rush Limbaugh over there calling plays. Can't have that. I got you. But that, I mean, four uh, passes I mean, right. that travel like further than last 10 year, yards. doesn't it? It does. Yep. It does. It does. But it's, it, and, and it's a different. I just offense. don't know what this state team is yet. You know, I just don't know what they are. You know, yeah. it could. It, uh, have they have they really tried to go vanilla these first couple of games to try to you know I don't buy I never buy into that idea that teams might go vanilla and try to save something for another. I mean, you almost lost Saturday. If that's the case, that's not a smart plan. You don't have the talent to just show up, run the football, and win. So we'll see what this Saturday brings us. It, it, this is definitely a, a I was about four outcome games. I don't think LSU. I don't think State would blow LSU out. So take that one off the board. But if State won close, if LSU wins close, or if LSU wins big, none of those are overly shocking to me. Kansas State is at Missouri. Kansas State is off to a 2-0 and start. They've been impressive in their, their first couple of games this year. Missouri is also off to a 2-0 and start. They have not been terribly impressive. Kansas State only a five-point favorite in Como on Saturday. That is also an 11 o'clock kick, this one on the SEC Network. CBS 230, South Carolina at Georgia. We've seen Georgia play with its food in the first quarter in each of the first two games of the regular season. Will you get a slightly more locked-in Georgia team this week? Possibly. Georgia favored by 27-and-a-half at home against the South Carolina Gamecocks, who come in 1-1 and on the year. We will look at the rest of the lines in the SEC and also check out some of the national games of interest when we come back and continue with you at Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Sports Talk Mississippi. If you're in the market for a new Ford truck, Belk Ford in Oxford is the place to go. They've got a great selection of new Ford trucks, F-150s that are on the lot right now, and they've got savings for you up to $9,000 off on select models with approved financing. That's $9,000. That's a lot of jingle in your pocket that you can save by visiting Belk Ford. Check them out online at belkford.net. You can see all of the inventory, and uh, you've also got the great selection of used vehicles. you got the service department that can take care of the basic service needs, like you know getting your oil changed and your tires rotated that you need to do every 5,000 miles or so, but also the, uh, the more advanced work. Um, 
it, it, it's hard to be a shade tree mechanic anymore because everything's computerized. They've got all the technology to diagnose whatever issue, like if that pesky check engine light comes on and you have no idea what to do about it, they can immediately tell you what's wrong, diagnose it, and fix it for you in a timely manner. Plus, they've got a diesel repair shop. So hard to find somebody that can reliably work on diesel engines. They can do that for you at Belk Ford in Oxford. Visit them on Highway 6 West. That's Belk Ford and BelkFord.net. It's Tuesday. Yeah. But I've got I've to drop a loser into this show. Michael K., you know, the Yankees broadcaster, hosts a radio show in New York City. See ya. Um, this is what Michael K. said on ESPN New York on his radio show mm-hmm. about Brian Dayball. He said, quote, I have it on good authority that Dayball had a huge party at his house on Saturday night. You're not throwing a big party if you're about to get your butt kicked by the Cowboys. So this took everybody by surprise, and that's what's scary. Nobody expected this sort of blowout. They thought that they were going to play with them, and they didn't even show up. That scares me, guys. That tells me that they don't even know their own team. There's no way the head coach of a team throws a huge party like that the night before the season opener if they think that there's a chance they're going to get blown out. That party at Brian Dayball's house was a birthday party for his six-year-old. <laughs> you, you think Dayball spent much time planning <laughs> said party? Or do you think... Maybe the food. I feel like the food menu is probably awesome at a Dayball party, but it was a six-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, it really takes the focus <laughs> away from getting ready for that big game. <laughs> All right, rest of the lines for games in the SEC. Alabama at South Florida. They're playing that at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Alabama favored by 32. Yeah. Probably laying the points there, sure. aren't you? Probably yeah. Probably laying the points. Alabama's probably, gonna, probably looking to make a statement of, of whatever much statement you can make against South Florida. Weird game there. Like, I understand for, like, Ole Miss playing at Tulane makes sense. What was it, a mm-hmm. two-for-one? And the, trying to get at Programs that have to do more with their budgets, getting out of these almost $2 million buy games and playing some G5 teams on the road sometimes makes economic sense. Alabama playing a game at South Florida in Raymond James Stadium does not make much sense to me. There have been some stories. I mean, I I Googled why is Alabama playing at South Florida? And there's a story in the Tuscaloosa News that says recruiting opportunity. UA saw it as an opportunity to play in a state. It recruits heavily. Florida had 11 of the top 50 recruits in the 24-7 sports composite for the 2023 recruiting class. That included Alabama recruits Keon Keeley and Des Ricks. Does Alabama need to play in Tampa? I mean, what are we doing here? They need the exposure? Alabama needs exposure in Florida? What are we doing? Play Florida State, then. Play Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, but that's what they're... I do like the direction, I think, that program is headed, USF, uh, with Alex Golish as its uh, its new head coach. But uh, we'll see. Mm. I can't imagine that it's going to go terribly... Uh, it's it's going to go very well for the uh, for the Bulls on Saturday afternoon in, in Tampa. ULM is at Texas A&M. The Aggies are a 36-and-a-half point favorite. I'm not sure on this one. 
Yeah, it's like I'm just. Uh, do they bounce back or are they still down and it's just an ugly game? Yeah. I mean, thirty-six and a half, right? Forty-two to ten would cover. Uh, Jimbo's got a must-win in two weeks, so just do whatever you got to do to get through ULM, and then, buddy, you cannot lose to Auburn at home. And then Arkansas right after that, isn't it? Yeah. Auburn at home, and then Arkansas, and then Alabama, and then at Tennessee. That's the four-game stretch Good. post-ULM. Good luck. We might not see you. Neither of the Mississippi teams might see Jimbo this year. They lose that game to South Carolina on the 28th of October? Nah, we're not seeing him. When does Ole Miss play him? Is it later in November? Yeah, it's November fourth. Okay, and then the next week, his state goes out there. Okay. Mm-hmm. My right. birthday eve, November fourth. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, hey, do you remember when Tennessee, Florida used to be the biggest game every year in the SEC? It's been a every while. year, every oh, year. It was that was the that was the original primetime game on CBS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's on ESPN at six o'clock. Gainesville Saturday night. Tennessee is a six and a half point road favorite. All right, so isn't that a little fishy? And Tennessee hasn't looked great, but you know they've been they've been pretty good. Florida hasn't has looked terrible against Utah. Look, I know we'll make picks. The top ten team. I'm sitting here staring at that number, thinking I might take six and a half points and ride with the Gators. Last week's fishy line was indeed fishy. Baylor covered against uh, against Utah, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, but it was it close. It was close. And, well, I mean, Utah or Baylor almost tied it up there at the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. So, Sanford and Auburn, no line on that one yet. Vandy is at UNLV. Vanderbilt's a four-point favorite on the road. Is this Vanderbilt's last opportunity to win a game? No, but I mean, we yeah. say, yeah. I mean, we say that. I mean, could they beat Florida? If they catch them at the right, yeah. Could they? You know, they beat Missouri. Sure. Yeah, Missouri's stinky. Here's the thing about Vanderbilt: they're pretty good at quarterback. They've got two or three receivers that are pretty darn good. They've got a couple of running backs that are pretty good. I'm just worried about the line of scrimmage with uh, with this Vanderbilt team. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss numbers come down just. A just a touch. Ole Miss is a 19-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Georgia Tech. That's a big line for it's two a lot power of conference teams. It's a lot yeah. of points. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the game the score was last year, but that's irrelevant. I mean, Georgia Tech looks like they're a little bit improved. Ole Miss got – the way they got sort of pushed around a little bit last week against Tulane, I, I might, I might uh, take those points. Yeah, but that, but that's not a fishy line though. If it were Ole Miss nine and a half, you'd look at it and be like, mm, yeah, no, 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 you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Vegas is going. We but think that being Ole Miss said, is significantly better than Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, if again, I, mean, I try to think in terms of what covers and what doesn't. Forty-five twenty-eight. I'm I'm winning with Georgia Tech. You think Georgia Tech's putting up twenty-eight points? I don't know. I mean, Tulane put up twenty with a backup quarterback. Yeah. Well, offensively, I mean, didn't they have a? They have a defensive score. No, but no, they they almost had a defensive score. They benefited from a really long punt return 
That gave okay. them three. It was a short field. I got you. Um, BYU yeah. at Arkansas. Arkansas favored by eight. Uh, BYU so far in two games this year has beaten Sam Houston 14 to nothing and Southern Utah 41-16. Safe to say we have no idea what BYU actually is. But on the flip side, Arkansas's results so far this year in the season opener against Western Carolina, they beat them 56-13. And last week against Kent State, they won 28-6. I don't know what the right play is there. We know nothing about Arkansas either. No, I mean, based on kind of the way that game went a year ago, I lean in the direction of the Hogs laying the eight points, but we'll see. And uh, Kentucky is a 26-point favorite at home against Akron. Kentucky's looked very average through its first two games. They have. Maybe old maybe old Joe can get the uh, get the cover there. Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, how about a couple of national games of interest? Penn State favored by 15 at Illinois. This weekend is uh, is lacking a little, but that, uh, that does not mean we're not going to get drama because we will. But, I mean, is Mississippi State LSU the most interesting? I Was that this morning? I said that to you, maybe even before Hey Dad jumped on the, the call, I, or, or maybe it was while all so. three of us were on there. I think there's an argument that the, the most interesting game in all of college football this weekend is LSU at Mississippi State. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of inclined to lay those 15 points of Penn State. I think Penn State's really good. North yeah. Carolina is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Minnesota. That one could be something. What about this one? Washington favored by 16 at Michigan State. With all that Michigan State's going through right now, I have no idea. Colorado favored by 23 in their rivalry game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi's third annual Policy Summit at the two Mississippi museums on Thursday brings together state leaders and policy experts for a solution-centered discussion on how to tackle our biggest challenges and help all Mississippians rise. Middays with Gerard Gibbert will be there on Thursday talking to state and national policy experts about education, the economy, and criminal justice. Go to empowerms.org. To get your tickets today, that's in power, E-N-P-O-W-E-R-M-S dot org. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, a little less than half an hour remaining on the Tuesday edition of the show. The, um, the situation at Michigan State, the, the Mel Tucker, Brenda Tracy saga. Is it safe to say that regardless of the outcome, there are no winners, only losers in this story? Brenda Tracy has made her allegations. 
Mel Tucker, through his attorney yesterday, has responded, calling the hearing that is coming up from Michigan State on October 5th to be a sham and ridiculously flawed. He denies many of the allegations that Brenda Tracy has brought against him. He says that she initiated the particular phone call in question, sending provocative pictures of the two of them and suggesting, well, just making suggestive comments. And he says at no time during the 36-minute phone call did she object in any manner, much less by hanging up the phone. In her original statement allegations, she made the comment that she sat there for 25 minutes in shock, unable to hang up the phone. Um, and it, there's just there's just so much there, so much there, and you know that there's. There's this idea that Michigan State shouldn't terminate Mel Tucker for what happened. And that I don't agree with. He admitted to at least a consensual, in that nature, interaction with somebody that gets paid by his employer to come talk to his football team about Sexual assault. That violates the pretty broad morals clause in his contract. What he admitted to violates the morals clause of his contract. So that... You think? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, there's like a... What's the definition? You know, the definition of is is, like, like in this... And I just, I just refuse to. I feel like most people have picked a side on this, right? There, you got a, a lot of people that immediately said Brenda Tracy is telling the truth, and this is it, and he should never coach another game at Michigan State. And then you've got people on the other side of it that are like, she hasn't proven anything, and this was outside the realm of his coaching duties and you know if an allegation comes against a man then it's immediately proven you know it doesn't have to be proven it's just that that's the gospel and go forward i, I just i don't know i wasn't there i wasn't part of it I, we, right. we don't know what happened if his you know he he has claimed that she says she's in such shock and denial and can't move forward about this, but in truth, she was just mad that they had postponed the training session that she was supposed to do with staff and players and that she followed up with Happy Father's Day messages and other messages, and she was the one that had been encouraging of the relationship growing by requesting gifts and donations to her foundation and individual monetary gifts and all, all of these things. And, and she says that he's just, I don't know. But I do know there are no winners here. 
if Brenda Tracy went through all the things that, that she has kind of built her foundation on 25 years ago, then she is again going through a traumatic experience. Regardless of what happened on that phone call. The, the fact that all of the things that have been bad that have happened in her life are now being brought up again, then, then she is dealing with trauma. If she is a falsely accusing Mel Tucker of an unwanted advance over the phone, then Mel Tucker is going through a situation that he should not have to be going through. Mel Tucker's married. Re- regardless of the status of his marriage, call me old-fashioned, but that's wrong. Um, man, it's just... It, it's, it's a complicated it, story it, that too many people are trying to pretend like it's not. If Michigan State fire, fires Mel Tucker, and let's be honest, they're probably going to fire Mel Tucker, then he's going to sue them for wrongful termination. And this is going to go to a court setting, and anything that's not public right now is public. I, I was saying a second ago that like, he claims that she's continued to send him text messages and happy Father's Day messages and whatever else. If that's the case... I hope he's got the text messages. I, I don't need to hear, well, I delete the messages on my phone every seven days or immediately or whatever. Now you, can, you can't come forward and say, well, she sent me these messages if you don't have the messages to prove that. Yeah, very true. I mean, what a mess. Yeah, I mean, and, and even something as simple as uh, messages after the fact does, I mean, it, it's... Like I said a second ago, there there are too many people that are pretending like this is not a complex story. And and the other thing is, I mean, clearly there was a relationship that was there. And they both admit to that. When's the last time you've been on the phone for 36 minutes? Well, since I'm not a Spectrum customer, it's been a long time. (laughs) Well... With, with with somebody you, you and somebody talking American Airlines. Okay. But, um, nah, no. Nah. Uh, God, I couldn't tell you the last time. I couldn't. Either. I mean, my mom will keep me on the phone for a while, but maybe like fifteen minutes. I caught like up that. with an old friend recently on the phone. It was like a fifteen-minute conversation. Haven't spoken in a while. There's, there's a, a, occasionally if I'm driving, time. I might have and like somebody else that I'm talking to is driving. There might be an extended conversation, but it's like. Football and work stuff, and you know, I, you know. <sighs> Never mind that. It's months and months of phone calls, right? Months and months of extended phone calls. And to me, that's the part that gets really difficult and really shady about this whole thing is there was a relationship there, and there were pictures, and there were transactions within the relationship. Like, nobody's even denying that. The, the only thing that is at question here is consensual or unconsensual with an act that one party performed while on a phone call. 
And, and Borky, you talk about that morals call. Somebody gets, I mean, is an extramarital affair grounds for termination from a football job? It depends. What I mean, the 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 so somebody found the clause in the contract, and it is extremely vague. Like it's it's Michigan State's discretion what they decide to be immoral. But uh, you know, the, I mean, Michigan State can prove that it's embarrassing. I mean, they're they're yeah. embarrassed that they're having to deal with this. That that, that their coach. Sorry, I'll, I'm going to stop. But I mean, we we get this message, Bork. You mean two adults who initially met on a professional level then had. 25-plus after-hour conversations at a personal level? Come on, man. Having extramarital romantic communications is immoral. Having those communications with somebody who also gets paid by your employer employer is also immoral. I'm not saying he should go to jail. If he was a better football coach, he probably would keep his job. But in my, from my perspective, that is immoral. That is something that you should not like do. Another. Another MSU had this problem once. Oh. Canizero? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about a different situation. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this uh, this Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Don't miss out on the collegiate collection. Lots of options for you in different colors. Different uh, styles. You got stripes. You got solids. You got prints. You got different logo options for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss and other schools from around the SEC in the country. Be sure to check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Orders over $150 or more online. Get free shipping. And uh, if you sign up with your email address, you can get 10% off your order. So a great chance for you to save money with our friends at Genteel and GenteelApparel.com. By the way, if you were one of the winners on the uh, 10 days of trivia from Genteel, those orders are being processed, and uh, you should have um, your new gear, your new swag, before too terribly much longer. Um, Just kind of going through some different numbers in the SEC. Arkansas leads the SEC in rushing defense. Again, they have played Kent State and Western Carolina. Through those two games, they are giving up 45 yards per game. Vanderbilt's played three games. They're giving up 154 per game on the ground. 
Ole Miss is allowing 102 yards rushing. Mississippi State is allowing 87. Um, passing offense. South Carolina leading the league, 408 yards per game. Ole Miss is second at 399, and that number came way down in game two after what they put up in game one. Mississippi State currently 13th in the SEC in passing offense through its first two games at 194.5 yards per game. You know who the worst pass defense is in the SEC? Alabama. Care to, no, it's not Alabama. Uh, LSU? It is LSU. They are allowing 258 yards per game passing. I've done a couple of interviews for this week already, and it is crazy the way they talk about LSU secondary. It's like, that's DBU, right? LSU, that's the best DB factory in America. Hmm. Can't cover the pass. Can Mississippi State exploit that? Can they slash will they? I think they I think they can. I think they will try. I don't think what we saw last week is is the real offense. So we'll see. But that doesn't make any sense to me, hey Dad. I, I know. I know. No, 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 I know. It wasn't against I know. Arizona I know. Community College. Yeah, and it was close to the choir. You're preaching to the choir. So, so what does that mean when you say, I don't think that is the real offense? I think for some reason, Barbe just decided, got it into his head that he needed to play conservatively. And it didn't, it didn't work out. And he couldn't get away from it for whatever reason. Because I'll tell you this now, if, if, if State plays like that again on Saturday, when we do this show on Monday, I'm going to be on the show telling you Mississippi State fans were sold a bill of goods on this guy. That the idea of getting the ball to your playmakers and being, you know, different formations and misdirection and, and, you know, vertical passing game, that was all a hoax if they play the same way they played last Saturday. Yeah. Got to test them vertically. I mean, we spent all offseason hearing about how great the wide receiver core is. And and, and, and that doesn't just mean go routes. That doesn't just mean throw bombs. Testing vertically does not mean just fly routes. No. But further than 10 yards down the field. Yeah. If they're in man coverage, it's, it's deep posts and fly routes and corner routes and all those things. But if they're playing zone coverage... It's it's stuff that you're you're pushing the ball 15 to 20 to 25 yards down into soft spots in the zone. Hey dad, do you think it's a complex offense? I mean, I, because I think Will Rogers is completely <sighs> capable of handling a complex yeah. offense. I, I I think it has complexity. Yeah, but at the same time they didn't show that last week. But, I mean, what I've seen from him at App State and Central Michigan, that's not what I saw Saturday. But why? Why, though? <laughs> you're asking, you're no, asking no, no, the wrong I'm not, guy. No, I'm not like, I don't, asking I don't you know to answer. give me an answer. Like, I'm asking no, it's, the I know, it's, rhetor- like, it's rhetorical, but, but, but it's like, I don't if, know, man. If, if he was hired based on what he had done previously in other stops, why is that not what they're doing offensively? And, don't and the, the other thing, I, I don't understand why the head coach has to apologize after the second game of the year for that wasn't a good enough game plan. 
should have to be doing that after two games. I agree. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk tomorrow. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.